What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to the Funky Brain Podcast. My name is Dennis, and this is my funky brain. There's a lot going on up here, but I'm feeling much better now. But today, we're going to have a great chat with my good friend. She has a podcast, the One Day at a Time podcast, which I was just on recently, and she's the founder of Sober Life School, and she's a recovery coach. And we're going to talk about some cool stuff today, but Mrs. Arlena Allen, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here again. I know. I'm so happy you're here. So how is 2021 going for you so far? Well, listen, first I have to say 2020 was amazing for me. It was so good. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I was in a high tech. I work for, I'm from Silicon Valley. And so I work for a high tech security company. And what did I sell? VPN. VPN allows people to work remotely. So when COVID hit, my business exploded. Every single customer I had needed to make a purchase. So I was basically working 14 hours a day for about three weeks just to process all the orders. It was just total insanity. But uh, it was so interesting, Dennis, because my password on my laptop for my work laptop was new job 2020. And our company did so well, it got acquired and they laid off the entire inside sales team, which yours truly was a part of. So I got a new job in 2020. And then uh, I am now in total, 100% alignment with my purpose and my gifts. I am doing the thing I am best at, and it feels amazing. I no longer feel like I'm living a double life or, you know, no more imposter syndrome, you know, trying to hustle in high tech and trying to do all this other stuff as a side hustle. I've been doing my podcast for four and a half years. So trying to work in corporate and develop this other, you know, passion project was very challenging to say the least. So 2021 has continued on this amazing path of being in hundred percent alignment. And I get to be me for a living, just like you. It's amazing. It is amazing. Now you said something interesting. And I think some, some of the listeners are going to identify with imposter syndrome. Mm, So what is that for you? It was not being who I really was for a living. Like I had to show up for this high stress tech job that I didn't give two shits about. Like I was grateful for the opportunity. I wanted to be a contributing member member of my team. I wanted to service my customers with integrity, but as far as like what I was good at and what I was meant to be doing, I kept saying, God did not put me on this planet to sell network security software to people who don't really talk about things that I care about, right? Like I don't really care about network security. Do I care about leading people out of their suffering from alcoholism, drug addiction, and general life issues? Yes. That's what I care about. And actually that's what I'm good at. Like I always did well at work, but I didn't ever feel like, I felt like I was living a lie. I had to like, just gather up all my, just muster up all this, you know, I don't know what it was, but I had to put on my armor to go to work and I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. I know somebody like my ex, she was, she was in the same space in the IT tech world. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like she really did love it. And she belonged there. It was like her, her some people life. do. And yeah. And I think some people really do. And for me, <laughs> I didn't either. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand even like talking to people because uh-huh. I was, I lived in that world then. 
and we would talk about the stuff sometimes and people would like talk about it and I really didn't care <laughs> either. And it was like, I couldn't have good conversations with anybody in our world because I just didn't belong in that world. This will lead into a great topic and, and then eventually into your self-esteem class, but yeah. and, which can actually lead into this too. But it's like, we didn't belong there, you and I. Part of the reason I think people get riddled with fear and anxiety and insecurity and all the feelings that we get riddled with in this crazy world we live in is because we're not supposed, we're doing what we're not supposed to be doing or we're not yeah. doing what we're supposed to be doing, however you want to look at it. And so it's so important, like if you are laying in bed, and I say this all the time, if you're laying in bed with the sheets over your head in the morning, afraid to get out of bed because you don't want to go do the things that you have to do to pay the bills, then I'm challenging you to say, look, find something else, find something that feeds your soul. And you and I were fortunate enough to be able to take the leap and Believe me, there's a price to be paid for it, to make that jump, to make that switch, to do the things you love to do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I did what was expected of me and now I'm doing what I was meant to be doing. Mm. Right. I did what I was, what was expected, but now I'm doing what I was meant to be doing. And it, and it was a long transition. Um, and the, tra- the transition re- took a lot of, you know, self-examination and self-work and changing those limiting beliefs and, you know, changing the challenging, you know, the story that I was telling. Right. Mm. And, and I know you talk about changing the story a lot too. And in my mind, you know, I did the self-esteem class because, you know, I'm in recovery, but there was a part of me that wanted to go deeper. Right. In recovery, it's like you, you know, you avert the crisis, you get off drugs and alcohol, you things start to level out. You start doing emotion management. You start doing relationship management. You do image management, right? It's like we, we, we start, we just get a grip. We find our foundation and then it's like, well, what's next? You know, we continue to evolve. And a lot of people, you know, are still trying to achieve those outward goals. It's either romance, finance, or fitness. And, and, and the premise of the class is that we only allow into our lives what we believe we deserve on a subconscious level. And the outside is a reflection of what you believe you deserve on the inside. So if you look around your outside and you don't have what you want, my question is why, why don't you have what you want? And the story that comes out is the bullshit story you're telling yourself. That is where all your limiting beliefs are. That's right. And that is a technical term that we both use, I think, for our <laughs> clients. Bullshit stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> be a story you tell. That, yeah, and we don't even challenge our own beliefs. Katie Byron has this great four-question process, right? It's like, is it true? Can I absolutely know for sure that it's true? What else could this mean? And I forget what the other question was, but it's like the idea is that we just need to start examining what is it that I believe? Where do these beliefs come from? Our beliefs are so powerful, you know, and I'm super obsessed with things like quantum physics because quantum physics is really explaining the magic that we experience in and that like in religion, like the mystical it's, exp- it, it can explain the mystical that a lot of people experience through like a religious experience or a spiritual experience. Um, and it's so interesting how science and mysticism are really coming together, right? What you think about, you bring about the law of attraction, cause and effect, all that stuff is uh, uh, the theory of entanglement. It's like, we are affecting things that aren't even in our physical space. 
it's just uh, Joe Dispenza does a lot of work around that explaining how everything, you know, at its basic uh, base element is all energy, you know, the atoms, you know, come together and form molecules, which form chemicals, and they interact with each other and share information. And, you know, it's, we really are at the cause of life. We are not at the effect of life, right? Some people are in that victim mindset where they feel like, oh, all this stuff is happening to me. Well, that's an unexamined life. A a victim mentality is an unexamined life because we feel that we have this limiting belief that we are at the effect of life, but really we are um, at the cause. And so a lot of the work I do is to break down that mindset and shift the balance of power back into your favor because everyone is using the law of attraction already. They're just not using it in their favor. I agree with you. And the law of attraction has to also be followed up with action. Yeah. That's so kooky. I mean, it all, it all works together, but it, it is about, you know, action. It's like what you think about, you bring about, but it's also cause and effect, right? There is a cause that like you take action, like mood follows action, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You do need and, to take action and take action with intent. And, and th- this is why it's so important to talk. Like, it's good to, if anybody's listening to this for people that are listening to this, this is a good step because people are curious. We want to expand. Like you said, you know, you start in recovery, but then there's more. And so mm-hmm. people listen to this, they listen to podcasts or read books. But I think that another important piece is to have a coach or a mentor or an accountability partner of sorts in your life to help you navigate because it's really, it rarely happens on your own at a high level. It doesn't happen on your own at a high level. A problem can't be solved with the same level of thinking that created it. That's right. Boom. Einstein. I did not think of that. (laughs) That changed my life. I'll tell you what, when I first got sober, that, that idea changed my life. I was like, uh Oh, my level of thinking created this nonsense. How am I going to get out? And it's like, well, you know, you find a mentor, you find a sponsor, you find somebody else who has what you want. And then you start doing what they do. You start taking, you know, you just role modeling. It's the model of the apprentice, Mm. you know, the master and the apprentice and you do what they do. And then pretty soon you surpass the master, right. Mm. And you get, that's how progress is made. Yeah. And then you become the master or master enough to talk to somebody else and pull them through to the other side. And then they, then you get to see the lights go off in their head and be like, Oh, I get that. Be like, isn't that awesome? And then you work together and then they go find somebody else. And it's a chain reaction. It absolutely is. Yeah. Service is so interesting because it's the fastest way to improve your level of self-esteem wherever you are is to be of service. And they're also, I'll just add the little caveat that it needs to be done in balance. Like you can't give transmit something you don't have. Right. So it's important. It's important that we do our own work. And, and I sort of like to use the analogy of the kite. I'm the string. They are, my clients are the kite. Yeah. They need to be able to ride the waves. They need to go up and down and I'm the tether. I keep them within balance. Like we need to be able to explore our feelings, but it's so nice to have somebody who can help you maintain boundaries and accountability. Like we need to go up and down. It's important that we go down, right? Like that's what brings up all the feelings. It's a, it's important to have somebody who will notice, Hey, you're on a high right now. What does that feel like? How does that register in your body? What does that mean for you? You know, it's like, we need to celebrate the wins because you know, what you focus on expands. Right. And so, but in my mind, it's so important not to live in like a Pollyanna life, 
because I feel, and I saw this, I used to work in HR and tech another lifetime ago. And they did this thing, this thing about demonstrating awareness, which means that you are demonstrating that you are aware that the people who come to the HR are all upset that you're aware that they have a feeling. It's so funny in corporate, how they teach these things, but it's like, yes, we have feelings and people get upset. And until you acknowledge somebody's feelings, they won't be able to get off it. They will continue to explain until they feel like you heard them. Mm. Right. So they say, demonstrate awareness. And I think that's like a very helpful tool in, in partnerships, like whether it's a marriage or a relationship or whatever, we need to be able to demonstrate to somebody or even in a client relationship, we need to be able to demonstrate that we, we get it right. It's like, Oh, I could see how you would feel that way. Wow. That must really, you know, demonstrate some empathy. That must've really sucked for you. Wow. I could see how you'd feel that way. Not fixing, just listening and acknowledging somebody's pain because that's what allows them to stop talking about it and to move off of it and to get to solution. Let's move into your, the self-esteem class. You brought that up before you were like, nothing will help you build more self-esteem than working with somebody else. And yeah. so talk to us about your class and what's going on there. Oh my God. I love this class. So I'm in the seventh round of it. It's a six week class. Um, we usually have about 12 people in the class and the premise of the class is that we only allow into our lives, what we believe we deserve on a subconscious level. So there's a workshop. So you show up and you do the work in class as a group. And the benefit of that is several fold, right? So you don't, you don't have to do work homework and then show up to the class because a lot of people will not do the homework. <laughs> a lot of people buy classes and it satisfies a need in them that they've taken action. It's like a false sense of, oh, I, I bought a class. I took some action. And then the need to do something take act, is satisfied so they don't actually do the work. So the work is actually done in class in a group. And they participate, they share what's what they, their thoughts and feelings so that other people get ideas. Right. And we develop this really tight, intimate group. It's a very safe space. You know, it's people share and it's like, thank you for sharing. There's no fixing. There's no, you know, obviously there's some dialogue back and forth, you know, if there's an issue, a problem solving issue, but, uh, you know, the, the first, the first class is we talk about the power of beliefs and law of attraction, right? Like people don't really, I don't think appreciate how powerful their, their beliefs are. And the beliefs are, um, typically instilled in childhood, right? Their thoughts and ideas that transmit into the subconscious mind. And this is all beliefs are actually so interesting. It's like an operating system. Your brain is like an operating system and it needs to be efficient because it consumes a lot of resources. So it makes decisions and then operates based off of those decisions or beliefs. The funny thing about beliefs is that they don't necessarily need to be true. Like how many times have you talked to someone who was kind and generous and a good person. And, but they're comparing themselves against someone else. And they're like, God, I'm such a loser. It's like, <laughs> that's not even true. Yeah. That's not, it's a crazy, but it's like, where did you get that belief? And then you, you know, go back to childhood where these beliefs are instilled. And it's like an adult told them that they, 
they, maybe somebody wasn't kind to them or they misunderstood or whatever. And we, we have this negativity bias too. Our brains are focused on negative and then we have confirmation bias. Like we focus on the negative, make a negative decision, and then only look for the information that supports our decision. Right. You see that in politics, people who are normally perfectly rational people lose their shit around. (laughs) Like everything goes out the window. It's and insanity is what it is. So really what I'm, you know, the power of beliefs, it's like, we are operating from this place of who we think we are, what we deserve and what we're capable of. And so, you know, in the class, we're like breaking down and examining those beliefs because we talk about the power or the law of attraction and the law of attraction states that we attract or repel at the level of energy is kind of a simple way to think about it. And really it's what you think about, you bring about, but it's all based on thoughts images that create feelings and we are all energy, right? And so we're attracting and repelling at the level of energy. And so you and I talked on my podcast about the national science foundation, uh, notice that there's, um, I think 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day, 85% of those thoughts are negative and 95 are the same damn thoughts that you had the day before, right? So if you break it all the way down, it's like, we think a thought, we have a feeling, we ba- we make decisions emotionally and justify logically, right? That's the operating system. In neuroscience, they call that the default mode network, right? And so we... We make it, we have this information, we, we make a decision, we take an action, we get a result, and then, it, and then we have an experience. And what's interesting is that a lot of people have this experience of how did I get here again? Well, it's, if you break it all the way down, it's that presupposition of what you believe you deserve and you make a decision based on that. And so on and so far, then pretty soon we, you know, like the diet cycle, the relationship cycle, the money debt cycle, it's like, we all have these patterns and cycles. And so we have to really break it down to what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I believing? And what actions am I taking? Right. Cause we all are doing the best that we can with the information that we have. And so if we want different decisions to make different decisions, we need new information and we need to challenge our presuppositions so that we can start making different decisions. Right. So that's, that's really the first class. And, and uh, you know, but I always like to start off with this exercise of what is your why? Like in my mind, self-care is so important in the class. I propose that they do a self-care practice because self-care practice is self-esteem building, right? And so it's like a rising tide raises all boats. So if you raise a level of your self-esteem, the quality of your life improves. So water, you know, water seeks its own level kind of a thing. And so we only allow, you know, the people, you know, like the people that you like, look at your friends, like, are they givers? Are they takers? Like, who are you attracting? Are they toxic? Like, that's what you believe you deserve, right? If you don't like what you have, we talk about, well, why are we doing all this self-esteem work? And we get to what is your core why? Because, and I do that, I get them very in touch with like the core why. Why are you doing all this work? Why is it important for you to raise the level of your self-esteem? And it typically boils down to, you know, who's watching you? Do you have kids in your life? Do you have a spouse? Are there people that you're trying to help? Are they watching you? It's, it's typically an altruistic purpose. It's like, I want to live my life's purpose. I want to be a value. It's you know, and so, but we, again, we can't transmit something we don't have, but so we need to get very clear on why, because in the morning, when you wake up, you are faced with a split second decision. 
am I going to jump into my day or am I going to do my self-care first? What is the priority? And if your self-care, if you are not the priority, you're going to jump into your day or you're going to half-ass your intention for the day, your self-care for the day, and the opportunity is missed. And the quality of your day is determined by what you do first, right? And so how many days do we have on this planet? Nobody really knows. So are we going to squander them away or are we going to live to our life's purpose? So it's really important to determine your why. And then we do talk a lot about, you know, how do we do the self-care? And for me, it's prayer, meditation, journaling. And I offer journal pages and the journal pages that the, they use, you know, they do it the first week to sort of get a clear idea of what is it that you really want? Like we have to like reattach to our feelings because we're in, we're in, we're in a place of not doing self-care. We're in a place of controlling things outside of us so that we can feel good on the inside, which means that your, your locus of control is outside yourself. These are people who seek external validation. These are people who are uh, emotionally unstable because it's predicated on what's happening outside of themselves. So we're, I'm all about reclaim your power by caring more about what you think than what other people think. Do your own self-care so that you don't need to manage other people so that they act right. So that you can feel good. Right. So, and that, and that helps you to maintain emotional stability, right. Emotional sobriety, let's say. Um, so that, that process of reattaching to all your feelings, because we, we do classes later on about boundaries, right? Like I know you are a big boundaries person, and, but we can't tell people how to treat us like we teach people how to treat us, but we can't do that unless we know what it is that we want. And we don't know what we want unless we're connected to our feelings. And those of us with addiction issues learned in childhood to distract, disassociate and disconnect out of survival. But those survival skills don't transmit into healthy adult relationships because we need to be connected to our feelings and conscious and like in the present moment to be like, wait a minute, I feel a sense of pressure. Like something I'm uncomfortable. I don't even, you know, it's like, what is going on for me so that you can communicate what you want and what you need. Right. And boundaries for me is a lot about negotiation. Like, you know, there's brick wall boundaries. Like if someone is being abusive, then that's more about relationship ending as opposed to relationship shaping. Right. So that's like negotiation. So that's, but that's a, that's a class module. that's a little bit down the road because we need to be able to connect to our feelings first and decide what it is that we like, what we don't like. And the funny thing about boundaries is sometimes you don't know where they are until you cross them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And if you're growing and evolving, that line changes. Mm -hmm. So that's why it requires constant vigilance about paying, checking in with your own self, with your own feelings to determine what it is that you want and what you don't want. That was awesome stuff. I don't even know if I need to talk anymore. I love it, but it's so good. And that boundary, yeah. like I think a lot of people are scared to death to establish boundaries, especially yeah. when, when you talk about like core family, which is Ooh. your core family issues are like, people think like marriages and relationships are the hardest to manage and they are definitely very difficult, but core family issues are, are really hard especially to establish boundaries with like your parents and your siblings they're really hard but when you do yeah you can break through that 
and and establish those boundaries and train those people in your life how to make you happier. It opens or, up the world in such a different way. Yeah, I and I'll share with you that I struggle with uh, my mom and my sister. I I I love my mom, and I know she's doing the best that she can with what she has. I have a, I have a sister who's uh, mentally, let's say. I struggle with those relationships today, even at 27 years sober. I got sober a long time ago, but I still struggle. They say that whenever you have a response to a situation that's disproportionate, it's about history, right? There's something unresolved in my past. And there's this lie that we hear in mainstream society that time heals all wounds, that it doesn't, the pain waits, the pain waits until you're ready uh, to deal with it, whether you're strong enough or have enough support system, that's when stuff can come up. You know, that's why a support system is critical to, um, to growth because we need support through those times. We need to be able to talk out our feelings, like talking. It's such an interesting, it's such an interesting thing talking and writing, because that's what transforms our feelings. If I'm all jacked up inside. I'm, I'm wound up tight. Uh, I, I can call you and be like, Dennis, I'm all messed up. I don't even really know why just uncomfortable. And you can start asking me some questions, right? Like, when did you feel this before? What's going on? What happened yesterday? What happened this morning? What happened right before you were feeling all messed up? Like you can start asking questions and then I can talk it through with you and process to resolution. Right. So that's the, that's the goal is to process our feelings to resolution, not to distract and I, or disassociate, right. Or just shove it down. You know, it's, we need to, we didn't, I didn't learn a process of resolution until I got sober in 94. That's when I started processing my feelings, but it's so interesting because I was talking to my mentor yesterday and an issue has come up in my family around my mother and my sister And I'm like, I keep telling, setting this boundary with my mom. And she's like, you know, she may never change and it's not her job to be different so that you can feel better. And I'm like, number one, that's rude. (laughs) It has to change for me to be happy. All right. I'm like, I think I just need to keep setting this boundary with her. She keeps me. She needs to stop bringing up this, this thing about my sister to me. I need, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. It's, there's nothing I can do. I didn't cause it. I can't control it. I can't cure it. It's none of my business. No. Stop, stop throwing it on my doorstep. But she was ultimately like, you know, your mom is doing the best that she can. And it's not her job to make you feel better. Right. It's like, she's like, okay, you need to say the angry man's prayer. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Respond with anger. So, you know, one of the things I do, cause I, I'm in the exact same boat as you. <laughs> My thing is like her, her talking about the old, you know, things from 40 years, 50 years ago and not creating new memories. And so well, I shut down when oh, doing right. that. And so yeah. what I've learned to do is like emotional regulation and with emotional regulation is like, well, what is my normal response? And that's, and is that working or not? And this is not working. And this was also in my previous relationship, but it came from my mother. She does that. I shut down and then I can't contribute to the conversation anymore. So what I do now is like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, you had a rubber on your ass. You you literally snap out of it. Well, I will, I'll be like, huh. And, and, so it just reminds me, like, instead of shutting down, what can I do? So I, oh. now I engage with her and I okay. smile. I say, oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. You oh. know, and I let her talk because usually what happens, what I'm finding, at least in my case, is like 
that's selfish behavior. Like, she, oh, to shut down? To shut down, yeah. She, oh, that's not fair to you, though. No, it's not, but it's also... Um, that's you know, a survival skill, right? It is, but it's also like what your mentor said, like, we can't change her and uh, I'm there for her and she needs somebody to talk to. And I, I, you know, I have time constraints that I put on, you know, I'm good for, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for like an hour and a half. That's Hi it. mom. I got five minutes. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I have, a, I'm good for between an hour, hour and a half. And then I have to go. Do you do the uh, validating her feelings? I listen. You listen. Okay. Yeah. I'd be That's- so curious to hear if you start doing the, uh, I could see how, like listen for a feeling word and being like, I could see how you'd feel that way. Maybe she'll get off it sooner. Well, maybe I she'll cycle I, through faster. I, you know, I, I really don't feel well and everybody's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone's different. And I, I just really don't feel the need in most cases with her. She just needs somebody to talk to. She's she just like, needs to vent. Yes. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I'm learning about myself, but it, it's the behavior. So let's go it's back. Like it's, she's the one that we're talking about now, okay, but okay. it's the behavior. Like I carry right. that into other relationships. I have professional, uh, romantic relationships, friend relationships. If somebody's talking about stuff I don't want to talk about, I shut down. Hmm. That's the behavior. So now I recognize okay. the behavior. I know where it came from. Right. And so now I practice on her. I say, oh, isn't that interesting? And so I can. And now you have, but you have, some, you know what to do different now. Like, I feel like a lot of times people keep repeating patterns because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And then they, what'll happen is, and this, this is where addictions and stuff, other distractions, <laughs> right, yeah. they get overwhelmed. They get yeah. angry with their parents or whoever it is, their siblings right. or friends. They don't know how to process those feelings, the anger or the, the rage or resentment, fear, insecurity. So they'll drink or they'll watch Netflix for four hours or they'll, go shopping or eat Netflix is fine, but it's like, are you watching it because uh, it's the end of the day or are you watching it because you don't want to deal with those feelings? It's a distraction. Yes. You I've actually been thinking about something that you said to me since the last time we talked, it was last week when we did my podcast about the silence and I've been noticing how I compulsively reach for the remote. I like background noise or pod, like I love podcasts, other podcasts too. And, um, but I'm always trying to feed my brain, but what it is, it's also gone too far to where I'm on, I'm noticing I'm uncomfortable with silence. Right. And, and you talked about giving yourself some space because in the silence, that's where the solution comes. And I, you know, I'm not really aware of any problems like of mine that I can, you know, control or whatever, but just being present with silence has really been interesting. So thank you for that. That was good. Yeah. My coach. So last year when I was going through heartache and stuff, my coach was mm-hmm. like, you know, cause there's no better time than when you're in real deep pain to really do all this work because you, sure. you don't want to waste your pain. You want to use that pain to grow, to leaps and bounds. And so um, we went into silence. Like for, we started with seven days of silence. I was like, what? So that means no seven TV, days, seven days, no TV, Ooh. no car stereo, no nonsense phone calls. Hey, what are you doing? Oh no. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm in traffic. Oh, what are you doing later? Oh, nothing. Those are all distractions, right? So right, the right. phone, the Facebook, no social media, no, social no media. stereo, no, no TV at all. And instead wow. writing and silence and wow. the clarity that comes out of that. And after a week, I was like, 
Wow. And we went over all the things that I'd noticed and I wrote down, I filled out like two of these <laughs> things. Those big old legal pads. And, yeah. And he goes, that's great, Dennis. He's like, all right, let's do another week. Oh, and I was like, what? And then this, so I did it what? again. And then it became normal. And then after that, I, we went over all the stuff and then he goes, all right, one more week. And I ended up doing about six weeks of, you know, I, eventually I started putting in, um, like uh and some podcasts and motivational stuff was what i started with but awesome. no music i would go over to my mom's and she would have the music on and i was it was like we don't realize how desensitized we are to all the sounds around us yeah and then the clarity that i had over that month and a half that clarity. i never had more clear space right Thought, clear thoughts and feelings and mm. yeah silence is golden it is, but it's hard. But I mean, we don't realize how often we grab for the phone or or the remote or food or, you know, I work, we all work from home now. How many times I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm overwhelmed and I'm standing mm-hmm. in front of the refrigerator, mm-hmm. but it's not even time to eat, but I'm like, what am I doing? So it's the all distractions, drinking, getting stoned, whatever. Those are all distractions. I always say that the purpose of obsession is distraction, right? Mm-hmm. But it's distraction from what? What is it that we're trying to avoid? Somebody sent me an interesting little, like one of those little meme things. Um, and it was about the, um, the level of work. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Yeah. Right. So we may as well do the work of healing and recovery that because it distract, it, it does take a lot of work to be distracted, but in my mind, it's this constant uh, consciousness about, you know, let me just process like being aware of the feelings and processing them to resolution rather than trying to distract from them. But we got to give ourselves a little bit of grace that there's no, you know, no doing this perfectly or a hundred percent of the time. And so you know, we just need to be gentle with ourselves. And that's why it's so important to have like your environment set up to support you, whether it's through the calendar, we have regular meetings with, you know, mentors or, you know, like 12 step stuff or however it is that you feel supported people that you check in with. I, I actually make all my girls do something called willingness calls. And that's something that we do in the class too. It's like a willingness call is like, you can call somebody and say, look, I only have five minutes, but I just wanted to check in on you real quick. How's your day going? What's going on in your world? And they tell you a little something and then you share, you go, well, that's awesome. Or not, or whatever. Um, here's a little something that's going on with me. And then that's it. And sometimes you catch people. It's an act of service is what it is. Right. And, and so, but people are like, oh, I don't want to call and bother anybody. And then I remind them, oh, this is an act of service. It'll help you build your self-esteem. It'll help you stay connected because I guarantee you and the shit hits the fan, which it will, because that's how life is. It'll, it'll be so nice to be current with like four or five people, because if you call the first person, uh, like you're already in the habit of calling number one, if you don't call when you feel good, you will hundred percent not call when you feel bad. Right. So it's important that you're in the habit because you'll be like, uh, who do I call? Like, I'm not really current with anybody right now. I'm all isolated. But so they call three or four people. You get current with a bunch of people so that when the shit hits the fan, if some one person is not available, you just go down the line until you can connect. And then once you do connect, you don't have to spend a lot of time in the backstory. You just get right into solution, whether if it's venting or actual problem solving or whatever it is that you need. 
So, um, and I had an interesting experience with that recently in my women's group, I did this 30 day challenge of willingness calls and, um, you know, so there was one person who was like super active and did all the willingness calls and she was connected. Well, she got a phone call one evening that her nephew had been in a, in a fatal car accident. And she had been in the habit of calling all these people. And so she reached out and she was like, this is what happened. My heart is broken. And she just got this overwhelming, you know, flood of love and support from the community because she had been investing. She had been investing and checking in and she just thought she was doing some fun little challenge for her recovery, but it was really critical because when, you know, life happens, she, she had, she had support and she didn't go into that. A lot of us, when something bad happens, we retreat and we hide and we isolate, right? They say that alcoholism is a disease of isolation and connection is secure, right? So uh, it's so important. That's one good way. Like finding friends and, and when, once you stop drinking is super important, that's a great way to do it. It's willingness calls. I love that. Yeah. I never heard that specifically, but I do love that. So what else is going on in sober life school? Anything else you wanted to talk about with sober life school? So soberlifeschool.com, you could visit that. You could see, uh, like you could get links to the podcast. Um, you could find uh, the self-esteem course. Um, I also do sobriety reset, which is a 30 day boot camp for people who are just starting to quit drinking that, that want to build up a little bit of momentum. It's a, it's a private Facebook group, but you sign up as a 30 day boot camp to sort of address all the major things about, you know, when you first quit drinking, it's like, how do you handle social situations? How do you tell your friends and family? How do you handle emotional triggers? How do you handle going to, you know, Memorial day is coming up. I don't know if this will be on before that, but it's like evenings and weekends. That's another, like the witching hour. Like how do you handle evenings and weekends? How do you handle holidays? Um, you know, what, what is alcoholism? Is that really even a thing anymore? I kind of sidestep it by saying it's not, it's alcohol use disorder. That's on a spectrum. Now the, the terminology has evolved over many years. Um, but anyway, that's sobriety reset. And so that's a 30 day self-paced class with support in a private group. Um, but the, the self-esteem class is uh, something that I run all the time. So it's every six weeks I start a new group. And then they connect through Sober Life School. Yeah, they could, yeah, they could, can, they could find the website. The, the self-esteem class is actually selfesteemcourse.com, but they can find links to all my things. And like the Sober Life School is like the umbrella site that has, you know, if you want one-on-one coaching for relationships or recovery or you know, I did the, the leap from corporate to self-employed. So people are reaching out to me a lot about that these days. Um, I'm certified marketing specialist now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I help out in a bunch of different ways, but everyone's different. So I ha- you can do a 30 minute strategy call with me and, and we can figure out what works best for you, whether it's a quick class or a one-on-one thing or whatever. So Awesome. And everybody, please do that. Clearly, Arlene is the queen. So <laughs> I'm just are. a helper. I'm a, yeah. I'm a helper. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, everybody reach out. And you work with men too or just women? I have been, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually starting a men's group pretty soon. I'm reformatting the women's self-esteem class for the men, but it's really more around confidence and recognizing what your value is. Oh my God, somebody, a friend of mine 
broke my heart. He called me and he was like, I feel like men have no intrinsic value. We're like the protectors, they're the providers. And I was like, oh my God, we need to do some, we need to do some work so that you can recognize where your value is, right? Like professionally, I hear a lot of men struggling and they suffer. A lot of men suffer in silence because if you don't have a 12 step community, or maybe even if you do, you might not have the right support to address some of these financial insecurities or relationship insecurities. You know, a lot of, a lot of men don't really want to talk about it publicly. So they just suffer in silence, which breaks my heart. It's just not necessary. These are, you know, problems come with inherent solutions. So I'm all about offering solutions. I love that. Yeah. And I, I love offering people different options. So it's like, sometimes people connect with me. Sometimes they'll connect with Arlena or another yeah. woman or a man, just reach out for help. I always say like, I lately people have been asking like, like if I'm interviewed on other shows or whatever, like if you have one word of advice, what would it be? And I always say the same thing. Ask for help. Mm-hmm. Ask somebody. Ask Arlena. Ask Dennis. Ask any other people around you. There's millions of podcast people now and coaches and all different types of people. Ask somebody for help. Start now. Yeah, just reach out. There's, and you know, the thing is, is that when, when I'm of service, it makes me feel like I'm living my life. That is my life's purpose. And same with you. And, and, and that you and I are abundant mindset, you know, we don't believe in scarcity. So I, you know, I'm just here to help. You're just here to help. I mean, this is, you know, turning defects into assets or utilizing our pain for good purpose. Right. So I love it. Well, we have another problem, you and I, and we can go on and on forever. (laughs) I know we're at our limit. That's why we're, that's why we done four podcasts and we're doing another one with we're doing another one. John Loxley, the three of us, we're going to have a great talk in the next uh, week or so. Thank you so much, Arlena, for hanging out on the Funky Brain Podcast. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. I hope you heard something awesome. I sure did. I actually, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down. Have a beautiful day today, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye. One of the most common questions I get is how do I become more successful? I see everybody else getting where they want to be in life but I'm still stuck. There could be many reasons, but the main reason I find in people being stuck is lack of focus and of course, accountability. So there are three key steps to focused success. Number one is intention, taking action with intention. Intentions should be extremely exciting and reasonable, not umbrella goals. They need to be realistic and achievable. Like if you're making 50 grand a year and you want to make a million a year, that's probably not going to happen right away. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just probably not going to happen next year. But what if we can get you to 100 grand next year? That would be double your income. That's awesome, right? And it's a huge achievement. Once we set these goals and we're intentional about the steps to get us there, then we have something concrete to work on. And now that's exciting. And they need to be in writing, not just in your brain. Remember, my brain is my problem. I think all the time, all over the place. I need to write them down and get them concrete. Now that's intention. The second step for focused success is gratitude. Create gratitude statements that are fun and passionate, but truthful and focused in reality. So if you're making 50 grand a year and you wanna make 100 grand, then say, I'm grateful for the work I get to do to keep me living my life so I can get to my goal. I'm grateful for eating well and exercising so I can get to my goal of losing 50 pounds. I'm grateful for my kids, my partner, my house, my pool, my car. Stay in gratitude. 
There's no better way to stay positive and on track than living in gratitude. Third step for focused success is action. And action steps are everything. Let me repeat that. Action steps are everything. Once we clearly define our goal, our one thing, then we can create specific action steps to take on a regular basis to help get us there. And here's a huge piece. They must be uncomfortable or we cannot expect change. They cannot be effortless or there will be no change. Remember, the way that I've been doing things, my work habits, my drinking habits, my eating habits, whatever, they got me stuck here. So I need to do things a little differently than I have been doing or I probably won't see different results. I mean, think about it. If I could have achieved these things on my own, I probably would have by now. So these goals, they need to be measurable. They need to be put on a timeline. Monday at 10 a.m., I'm doing this. Tuesday at noon, I'm doing this. When I'm working with my clients, we have lots of homework. And when I ask them, when will you have this done? And they say something like, maybe by the end of next week, I say, uh, that's bullshit. Please have that to me by tomorrow morning, tomorrow by dinner at the latest. This is how you get results. The old you without an accountability partner would say, maybe by the end of next week and then nothing would ever get done. That's how we got stuck here in the first place. Does that make sense? So hopefully some of this rings true with you and you're ready to make drastic changes in your life. If you don't know where to begin or if you're looking for that push to get you to the next level, please reach out. Give me a call and set up a free session to start radically changing your life forever. The most satisfactory years of your life lie ahead. Life isn't over, it's just starting. I'll talk to you soon. Have a beautiful day today. Thank you.